In this podcast, Wayne Bruce talks to Damien Green, the Chief Information Officer at Queensland Health. Well, Damien, look, thanks very much for your time today. Can I just start by asking what was your first job out of university and what role did that play, if any, in sort of shaping your future career? My first job was actually a sales assistant in Maya, but that was in, in university. Once I'd completed my economics degree and I didn't have an idea what I wanted to do going through uni, I went for an interview at Anderson Consulting and got offered a position as an analyst in their change management practice. Anderson Consulting focused very much on the ICT strategy and consulting in those days. So I was very quickly grounded in the importance of the need to build buy-in and ownership of workforces and develop skills of workforces to embrace not only technology change but adapt to new processes and new roles in the context and of introducing new IT and that's probably shaped my thinking ever since about planning and management of programs uh, in the ICT field they can't just be about ICT they've got to start with people first and end with people first. As your career's gone along have you found particular people that have had an influence or, or inspired you during during that yeah, when I started at Anderson Consulting, change management as a profession was quite new and I was always inspired by the partners in Anderson Consulting who built that practice up and they were female leaders within Anderson Consultant who saw the need to connect the ICT agenda with this people agenda. So particularly people like um, Jane Henstridge, who was uh, the, the leader of the change management competency or practice in Australia for Anderson Consulting, Katrina Brash, who took over from her and the various senior managers that I worked for as an analyst, Diane Martin, Gillian Harton, a range of people that I still think of very fondly today, both in terms of the passion that they had around this people agenda and how important it was for the ICT agenda and the skills and time they took to coach and invest in in my development all change for technology or otherwise involves people in our world. So what was it that Anderson recognised and how did they drive the people aspect of the change? Part of the thing that we were always very conscious about is ICT is an end in itself. It's got to be driving some sort of improved outcome for the organisation that's in investing in. And early on, I learned that it's important to communicate the vision really behind that outcome and what the results are and to seek and to early on engage people in that vision and that conversation and get feedback and build buy-in and ownership to that and regularly measure and hold yourself to account that, that you are achieving that outcome. So that's not a touchy-feely piece of work. That's actually something that you need to plan for, that you need to set milestones for and that you need to measure and hold yourself account and bring a bit of vulnerability to the way you plan and lead a program because if you're curious about it, you need to accept that you're not always going to get it right and that you need to have mechanisms available available to you to be able to tap into stakeholders, listen to their point of view and adapt accordingly. Damien, when I first met you when you were at the Gold Coast Health Service, it was close to 10 years ago. and a long time ago. It was a while ago, wasn't it? And you had quite a broad remit then. I know it included sort of the people and culture agenda. And So has your career predominantly been in that sort of ICT stream or has it been, obviously, there was a people and culture at that time? Have you gone across a few different functional areas? Yeah, it's a good question and it's something I've always thought about myself. I've never seen myself as an ICT person. As a management consultant, I was always keen 
keenly interested in business strategy and connecting business strategy to the ICT agenda, but always been very aware that if it was going to be successful, you need to get the people and process agenda right at the same time. So if you look at my career, I've always tried to deliberately be a bit of a generalist. I've done a lot of deep work in ICT fields and I know my subject and I've got experience in my subject, but I've always been curious, made sure that I've worked across industries, not just in one industry and worked in multiple industries, worked with different range of stakeholder groups, whether it be senior at an executive level right down to the frontline workforce, trying to teach someone to use a new computer who's never learnt to read or write before. And that was one of the early challenges that I struck at Queensland Rail and implementing an SAP. And also just making sure that I'm keeping abreast of what is going on in the industry and its impact. One of the early insights I had in health was that in healthcare, we often approach problems as if it's the first time that the problem has been identified. E.g., how do you improve running a theatre, an operating theatre? And yet in other industries, the application of good supply chain management techniques are similar to managing a theatre. So being able to look at other industries, see what other people have done is absolutely been a critical part of my work in healthcare. And you can see that in digital transformation, like we're in healthcare, we're really in the early stages of digital transformation, but there are other industries that are very well advanced in terms of where they are at, at the digital transformation agenda. And we can learn a lot from those industries and some of the challenges that they've been confronted with, particularly the role and power of a consumer has in terms of influencing business strategy. So which industries do you think are sort of most beneficial to look at if you're in the health industry? Some of the ones I've been recently looking at has been what's happening in the media industry in, in particular. That's a, an industry that is really struggling to come to terms with the role of the consumer and what people's buying choices are. And in fact, having to transform their product offering quite remarkably if to survive. But in government, I've been particularly interested in terms of the strides that the education sector is taking to embrace the adoption of digital tools and technologies in the delivery of education. I go into a, a school now and look at the way that schools are set up and the expectation that is built in day about students to work in a digital workplace. And I step back and I think healthcare, we're not even at that stage yet. We're going to be confronted in five, six years time with a, a cohort of students who are used to working in a digital way. And we've got to, to catch up with a lot of speed and make sure our workplaces are digital ready to meet their expectation. And the other aspect of that is I think consumers are going to become more demanding in healthcare. And I think any of the industries, whether it be retail, et cetera, and the way that they're beginning to engage and embrace consumer choice and offer choice is going to be in a particular way important in terms of the way we begin to craft and establish healthcare services. And that creates enormous opportunity for digital health. How did you get into the healthcare area? As a consultant at what became Anderson Consulting eventually became Accenture, I first started working in healthcare in 2004. I got positioned and assigned to a clinical services redesign project in a PN hospital. I remember that project really well and very fondly. It's a challenging project. I remember the first workshop I ran, the director of the emergency department walked out because of the workshop I was running because it wasn't meeting his requirements. And I, it was a great lesson for me around, well, I could have made a decision 
decision to say, oh, that person's not buying in, or I can make an effort to go and engage that person one-on-one and find out why they left, why it wasn't working for them, and what I needed to do differently. And that experience has probably been one of the most enjoyable experiences I've had and one of the reasons why I, I was I really enjoyed working with frontline clinical teams and why I've continued working in the field that I work in. What do you think has been the biggest impact of technology so far in healthcare and then what do you see in terms of the future? We haven't started yet. It's so exciting, some of the things I'm beginning to see. Look, a simple thing was back in 2008 when I first started working for Professor Adrian Nowitzki, who was the uh, chief executive of Gold Coast back then, was the idea of just putting a record in place so that clinicians who were working alongside patients could see what was happening to the patient, no matter what setting they had been in. So the idea of if you've been in the emergency department and you were progressed to an inpatient record, that the the information was there at your fingertips and information and the, the clinician didn't have to guess it at information. It's such a simple challenge and today, but that was a real challenge back then. And I think we don't give enough credit to the fact that we have begun to solve some of those challenges in terms of just providing that the provision of that information. But I'm also acutely conscious now that we're we're sort of halfway there. We're creating a bit of a digital divide. If you go to a Cairns digital hospital, you'll get great care and all the clinicians involved in your care will be able to access that record. But if you come from, say, a remote community and being referred to Cairns, you'll go back to your remote community and the clinicians who, who work alongside you in that remote community won't have access to that digital record and uh, won't necessarily have have had the information from the care team to help them continue your care journey. So been a big change, a great change, but we're only half started. We've got so much more work to do on that front. So presumably the plan is to get it out to those more community health centres at some point? Yeah, and I guess there's questions around how we can view and improve the plan that we've got, and we're obviously doing that. But a simple thing that I'm working with the team on and consulting with our clinicians out in the hospital health services around how we can quickly uh, give them at least read-only access so that everyone's aware of what's happened to their consumers in other settings. Damien, just prior to us starting to chat, shared some of the preliminary findings we've done in recent research into clinicians and are they interested in non-traditional careers, whether that involves some other sort of clinical work as telehealth or maybe something completely different. Just from your cursory look at that, did anything sort of, did that surprise you, those results, or did, was that sort of congruent with what you would have thought? Yeah, it, it didn't surprise me. In fact, it was great to see data that sort of evidenced the gut feel I was developing. The key thing that we've been doing is we move providing ICT system record, the traditional IT system, is creating or setting up digital platforms which our clients in healthcare, our clinicians can use to develop new solutions, whether it be analytical solutions to help them with decision-making or improving care or new apps that they can use to respond to to help them do screening better in the airports due to COVID-19. That's all clinician-led in the digital world rather than ICT-led, and that's a big change that we're going through. And what I've been observing is that, and it goes to a point I made earlier, is that there's a new breed of worker in our healthcare organisations. These people who have been trained in healthcare who are clinicians, but have also been trained in these digital skills and know how to use and interpret digital systems and are quite curious 
curious about it and seeing these clinicians typically at registrar level clinician level who are really interested in how they can use these technology solutions to drive better care outcomes and I'm seeing a raft of registrars who are interested in not giving up their day jobs continuing to work as clinicians but actually wanting to have a part-time involvement in terms of problem definition ideating potential new solutions and then deploying them into the healthcare ecosystem and some of them are less interested in the traditional health health specialist career e.g idea of fellowship doesn't interest them they want to actually continue being a doctor but their career path is about get more involved in developing and growing their career in the digital health space and I see that as a really exciting trend an example would be say when I was at Gold Coast I was just leaving and this was happening we delivered the integrated electronic medical record the pharmacists got together and saw the possibility where we had real-time information at our fingertips of what doctors were prescribing on wards and they quickly worked up that with that data they could build an algorithm send a real-time alert to pharmacists working on ward that there might be a medication dispensing error about to happen because of some combination of drugs that have been incorrectly dispensed or diagnosed and so pharmacists on ward were able to intervene real time and prevent that medical medication error from occurring really exciting stuff in terms of achieving our goal in digital health of reducing serious medication error and we're achieving that in our digital hospital program but that's all coming from the role that these clinicians these new digital workers are taking where they've gotten we're now giving them the digital assets and they're beginning to take them and develop them and, and grow them and I think we'll see more and more of that so you I think your survey just painted a picture of what's actually evolving in healthcare. And for people you've seen, clinicians or otherwise, involved in whatever aspect of digital health it might be, but are there any common skill sets or perhaps more importantly, personal qualities that maybe enable success more than others? I think there's always a bit of can do in this thing. You often, when you start with a digital problem, you actually have got to start with a problem. And, and, and some of our clinicians bring pretty big problems to the table that they want to solve. But the people that I've been working with are very optimistic about their ability to work through a problem and get to a solution. And also really pragmatic sense of you can't develop a perfect solution, like you can't get it 100% right. And they're prepared to ideate and continue to iterate development into the solution. So not spend forever trying to find the perfect solution. So I think that aspect is being key in terms of what I've been observing on the people that have been particularly good at working alongside the digital ICT teams who have been supporting them. And I think there's some just personal qualities that you need in this space around the ability to be motivated, the ability to engage and listen and consult effectively, because it's not just your own point of view or your own requirements that you're often got to think about when you're doing this problem definition and solution development you've got to think about your colleagues you've got to think about the senior specialists that you're working alongside you've got to think about the people who and the consumers who don't necessarily have a, a voice or traditionally haven't had a voice in the design of some of these ICT systems and in the digital world all that changes so this idea around being able to engage with multiple parties and stakeholders and build a coalition and ideate and develop its solutions iteratively they're key skill sets. In terms of my own innovation team, where I'm looking to engage with those clinicians and build up that community of practice, they're qualities that I specifically do look for. 
there's a lot of interest, as we spoke about earlier, clinicians and, you know, and non-clinicians working in some aspect of digital health. But in speaking to a lot of people involved in the sector, they indicate to me that the health services don't yet have a clearly defined grasp on what their needs are and will be. And so there's not currently a clear sort of workforce path and therefore an education path to develop skills in this area. I know, you know, the digital health agencies working on a on a workforce plan, AIDH is providing some work in this area, but what, what do you see as the future of the workforce and therefore the training that people will need to be sort of productive and job ready? I agree that there isn't a clear idea as if there is the, somehow the right answer. This space is evolving all the time, particularly in terms of the technologies, what we can do with those technologies and when they will become mainstream in the organisation. So part of the clear idea comes to having a clear idea of what that technology roadmap looks like and how it will manifest itself in and become mainstream health healthcare and when. And that's not settled yet. We've still got a lot of iteration to go. I think the work that AIDH have been doing and the work that the digital agency have been doing are, are good, but they haven't necessarily converted it into a agreed competency model that been then built into the clinical curriculums they work for us. And that's probably where I think is the gap at the moment in terms of the work universities need to invest in, in terms of developing their curriculums to recognise this space is occurring rapidly and ensuring that each of the professional bodies have a clear point of view and are beginning to engage in that conversation around how this is evolving. I don't think we're ever going to get to a point where we have a clear set of requirements. Just something that I'm very conscious of. I think we pay a lot of attention to skills that we'll need to move into automation or artificial intelligence and leverage those type of technologies. But there's some really basic skills that we need to be investing in and developing developing in just to get the basics right in digital health. So the importance of data collection and data entry and management of data and cleansing of data, these are so critical in terms of just having a, the establishment of a digital health ecosystem and skills now, which we're already well into the, the age of moving from reporting to analytics and data interpretation and vis visualisation. People often pick up these skills as an afterthought to their professional training and I think the future is going to demand that these are critical skills that people are trained on as part of their clinical careers. Yeah, I know, um, for example, the University of Sydney has put digital health subjects in and it's housed in the medical sciences school, along with biology and anatomy. So they're viewing it very much as a, a building block, as well as obviously more advanced units and things like that. Just a couple of final questions, Damien. I was interested, the CRC for Digital Health did some research and they looked at clinical outcomes and various variables, including which doctors and so on and so forth. But but they found that in some ways the biggest determinant of someone's clinical outcome was in fact the hospital in which they had surgery. And even the same doctor could be operating in two different hospitals and have quite markedly different clinical outcomes. I'm just wondering whether you're seeing that in the data you're collecting through Queensland Health, because presumably it's data rich and over time it will enable, said with the pharmacy example, far better care for patients. 
Wayne to confess I haven't looked at that data for a while, particularly since moved into this role, but I can say that anecdotally it would make sense to me based on my experience both as an executive director of people and an executive director of transformation that clinicians don't work in isolation. They work in part of teams and they also work in an organisation that is set in where the rules and practices and behaviours are guided by the culture and the leadership of an organisation. And so I profoundly believe that good clinical outcomes are based on all of those things being present, good teamwork, good leadership, great culture. Damien, you've had a really, what sounds to me like a really interesting career with different strands, which I'm sure has kept you stimulated and so on. So for those people out there, perhaps in their 20s or 30s, that are aspiring leaders in the sector, what advice would you have for them to be in a position to advance their careers? I thought about this question. I think it's a good one and I just reflect on my own experience. I think as a young leader, sometimes you're driven to feel like you've got to have all the answers. But what I've learned over time that my effectiveness as a leader has actually grown and developed when I've worked out that the trick is actually having the right question and the ability to listen and engage effectively to get to the right answer. And so if there was anything I could offer as advice to anyone in this field, particularly in terms of working with healthcare, the basics of working alongside people are critical, respect for the individual, being able to listen, and just being a bit humble in the role and recognising that you don't have all the answers and the trick is working alongside people to get to them. I think that's what we found in a lot of research and just, you know, anecdotally through the work we do over the years is that the technical skills might sort of get you the job, but it's really the soft skills that impact your ability to do the job well or not. Yeah, and I think that's just in terms of the work that I do and what I'm looking for in terms of even roles that I'm recruiting for. I'm actually less interested in technical skills, to be honest. They're trainable. They're de- you can develop those. You can always grow those. It's harder to get the, those business and people skills, which I don't I believe are soft skills. I believe they're critical skills that are essential to have in the role. Terrific. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks, Wayne. Appreciate talking to you. Pleasure.